Hello, this is the Care to Change podcast. We appreciate you joining us today. You'll be listening to April talk with our counselor, Mike Spencer, about porn and mental health. This podcast is part of our Men Matter 2 series. We're glad you're a part of this conversation that we hope offers you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. As always, I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us today. Uh, We are in the month of June, and we're talking about Men Matter Too. So June is devoted to talking about topics that are relevant to men. And today we have a special guest, uh, Mike Spencer. Mike, I always love having you. Hey, I love being here. Um, today's topic is a big one, so I'm interested to see where we go with this. Today's okay. topic is on porn and mental health. Right. We've talked about what do you do when we know our men need help, but we don't know what to do about it. Right. Um, last week, Jared talked about obsessive working and mental health, and today we're talking about porn and mental health. For those of you that don't know, Mike comes to us uh, with experience in leading a, a sex addiction group for men. Right. So has a lot of experience in this topic in training and educating and helping men who have an addiction to porn. And so, Mike, it's a big topic. It is. It Uh, is. So let's dive in. You know, I I think, you know, it's hard to imagine, I suppose, in the present day. But I think you start out with, you know, what's different, you know, with Internet porn a man is able, or man or woman, is, are able to see, and I'll use this word carefully, more hot bodies than our ancestors could see in several lifetimes. Mm. They're able to see that in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so there's a significant effect on the brain as a result of that. What does that mean? Well, what that means is that over time, the same response to a person that you're married to, the, the dopamine and testosterone response actually over time gets lower, right? Now, that may sound like a bad thing. It's not. Um, but but what, what it means is this, that dopamine response we have uh, is a huge surge that you get is in related to what we call novel images, images you've seen for the first time. So for the listeners, will you explain what dopamine is before you Yeah, so that's a it's a it's a, a neurotransmitter, right? And we tend to think of that or associate that with pleasure, right? We also uh, associate too much dopamine with aggressive behavior. And so dopamine is something we generally when we have that dopamine we feel pleasure. We you know, and that's apart from you know, sexual arousal, right? It's not, it's dopamine itself in our brain where we feel that. And so what happens then is a person can click through lots of images and keep getting these, that dopamine surge over and over and over and over and over and over, um, which doesn't happen in real relationships, which again, I'll say like that, that's, that makes almost like real relationships sound bad, but that's not the case, right? Where what you get with internet porn is that dopamine surge and you have an endless supply of images and videos to get that surge from, 
right? As opposed to then what typically is with, you know, an actual person, you know, there is courtship, there is touch and being touched, there are smells and pheromones, there's an emotional connection, there's interaction with a real person that takes place. And so it's a vastly different experience for our brains, is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you have outcomes with viewing porn and engaging in porn because what happens then over time with all that dopamine that kicks into our brains, we believe it or not, we start to develop this numbness to everyday pleasures, everyday things that we would enjoy they start to feel very numb to us. And that's a result of the dopamine mechanism in our brain where we're hitting that, getting that dopamine, getting that dopamine. Uh, Your brain says, hey, wow, there's a jackpot of dopamine. But the problem is this other chemical that starts to build up and it's called uh, Delta Fos B, which probably doesn't really matter to people. Mm -hmm. But what it does then is creates this craving that results in more binging. So when you're doing that, you start to become... Uh, numb to just regular stuff that you would normally be able to enjoy. You would normally be able to be happy, but uh, but suddenly you can't. So it's like there might be a single image, a dopamine hit, a, right. a, another look at the image or video, mm-hmm. additional dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. So then body produces the craving chemical, crave right. more. So it's right. crave, binge. Right crave binge but then with that with anything whether it's sugar or alcohol or drugs or anything it doesn't produce the same that same amount of pleasure or surge and so it requires a little more right right and so it's sort of more like crave binge numb crave binge numb right yeah and so in that right you get that numbing to pleasure you get that sort of hyperactivity to porn and then third as a result of this whole binging process the the willpower sort of uh, that that resides more in the prefrontal cortex starts to erode there's an erosion of our of our willpower that begins to that has that's developed and this is why when people say what was he thinking right well if that part of the brain that serves as the executive functioning or the thinking, the logical, the decision-making has been uh, eroded, Right. then the brain isn't really thinking. It's just reacting to the craving. It's just going and becomes very sort of automatic where someone is doing, looking for porn without even recognizing they're started to look for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just kind of, it kind of goes, goes forward. And probably what most people don't really realize or think about or understand is that one of the major issues, of course, a result of, of porn use is erectile dysfunction, is ED. And eventually in using the porn, uh, the brain becomes so numb after a while that it starts to send weaker and weaker signals to the body that even the ED meds stop working. So there's a longer term impact that people don't often see. Yes. What is interesting to note is that seems to be the symptom 
that gets guys attention <laughs> and gets them quitting because in many ways for for an for an addict uh, for a regular porn user the other symptoms are less obvious to them they're not really recognizing what what's going on. What are the other symptoms they may not recognize? Yeah. So let me just sort of state that there are currently over 85 studies that link poor mental health and emotional health to porn use. Mm -hmm. So this, this is not just a guess, right? This is not just a, hey, we see a correlation just here, but mm -hmm. with that actual understand there's a causality in this. Even to the extent where I would say that even like three hours of porn use a week can cause a noticeable reduction in the gray matter in key areas of the brain. Sounds uh, like video games. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> different, but... Right, different, but yeah, but similar in the sense of the dopamine uh, mm -hmm. engagement. It, it does, as they say, uh, engage the dopaminergic system. So some of the things like the symptoms, other symptoms would be feeling irritable, mood disorders, feeling angry and depressed, experiencing mood swings, uh, pervasiveness, uh, pervasive anxiety and fearfulness, feeling powerless in relation to porn. You know, those are just, you know, and then uh, oftentimes there comes with the porn use is withdrawal from social activity, kind mm -hmm. of developing this uh, secret life, lying to and deceiving others, becoming increasingly uh, more self-centered, choosing porn over people. Mm. Treating people as sex objects, uh, judging people primarily in terms of their body parts um, and experiencing those mood swings, disrespecting other people's needs for privacy and safety, being insensitive about sexually harmful behavior. And they're also in difficulty engaging in long-term outcomes. So if there's kind of a lack of motivation then to like, uh, I don't feel like studying and I can't connect studying right now or doing something for work with long-term positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. They're going to really lose that motivation. And so they start to not do as well, do poorly in school, do poorly at work. Uh, the relationships oftentimes are marred with dishonesty and deception. Partner views oftentimes are porn as infidelity, as cheating. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real... Uh, conflict and uh, disillusionment in that relationship. Uh, their partners are kind of increasingly get upset and angry and the relationship deteriorates. And for many people, for many men, there's a feeling disconnected from people and their values and beliefs and goals. And they get, they, they're disconnected from their own. And they have a sense of a, a loss of sort of feeling like they have personal integrity and their self-esteem is damaged and they have persistent feelings of guilt and shame, and uh, in many ways, they will they feel controlled by porn. So, I could go on. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, you know, we we I know we've just barely touched on what porn does when it's when it's uh, used and the impact on mm -hmm. the body mm -hmm. and how the brain responds and how it can become an addiction. Right. What I haven't asked you is how do you define whether or not it's an addiction? Sure. And, you know, does it really matter, right? If it if it's exploding up a relationship, it doesn't matter whether it's an addiction. But right. before I go into the relational issue, what is 
an addiction. How do you define porn as and when's there this line, you know? Right. And, and I would say, you know, so that, um, have a kind of little screener here and I can, uh, put that in the, uh, show notes, shall we say? Yeah. And it's just a small, it's just a few, it's five questions and it's keyed off of in say that each question has a, could be, have a zero, a zero, a one or a two. So like, if you never do this, then it's a zero. Sometimes it's a one and frequently it's a two. So if you hear the five questions, you find yourself using pornography more than you want to. You have attempted to cut back or stop using pornography, but you were unsuccessful. Do you find it difficult to resist strong urges to use pornography? You find yourself using pornography to cope with strong emotions. You continue to use pornography even though you feel guilty about it. So those are your five questions. So if in your numbers, never, sometimes, or frequently, you have a score of four or more, it's most likely that, you're, that you do have a problem uh, you need to, need to work through as far as addiction goes. If you're getting into like six and above, mm-hmm. yeah, you're definitely. And I know this conversation is related to men. Right. It seems to me, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about relationally, like, what do we do about all this? Um, because it seems like if, you know, from the women that I've worked with whose husbands have a porn addiction and they relapse and they relapse and they relapse, they can understand biologically what happens, but right. there's still wreckage in the relationship. So I want to talk about that. Yes. Before doing that, it would seem to me a message to the parents, because this yeah. isn't just a male, female, you're talking about a brain. There's no difference between a male brain, female brain in terms of this, right? Right. Every male, every female has dopamine. That's correct. um, And so women are just as susceptible to becoming addicted to porn as men are. Men just seem to be visually stimulated. So it it seems to happen more. But I want to talk about the prevention of, because if you are a parent, I know we just had you on a few weeks ago talking about correcting unacceptable behavior, which anybody that's a parent, I would recommend for you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But there was a stat at one, at one point, the average age that a a Mm -hmm. child would first view porn, it used to be in the teens, I believe the number is 10, age 10 now. That's exactly right. 10 years old. So the, the average age that the first time a child sees pornography is now 10 years old. Yes. And we know that there's a highly addictive quality. There's a high, there's a, a, right. an addictive quality to porn. So, and we have it. We have right. parents that are calling us, their kids are 12, right. 13, and they're saying, my child's right. addicted to porn. And so um, this goes to the whole parenting and technology, which right. I, I'm pretty sure we've done a parenting and technology podcast. Um, right. And so make sure that you look that up. I, I believe that's even in February. So go back to our February releases. We had one uh, about that. But as parents, we have to take, yes, it can be wrecking our marriage, but we also want to be watching for this as right. it relates to our children. Right. Uh, because a lot of times what happens is, you know, you, you fall in love with someone, you're right. in your twenties or your thirties or forties, whatever the age is, they've already got the addiction. Right. And you right. may or may not right. know about it. And so many of the couples I know that I see it's discovered in the context of marriage. Right. So, okay, I'm now I'm going to enter into this relationship piece. So one thing, parents, go back to our February releases and listen to the one about tech. 
right. parents also, if you, if you're discovering this in your child, listen to the right. one a couple of weeks ago that Mike had on the unacceptable behavior, but moving into, okay, you know, like I said, you're 20, yes. 30, 40s, you, you enter into this relationship mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. explaining the impact on mental health and the biology of it. Right. But relationally, there's this wreckage. And I, I don't know about you. I know you see couples as well as I do in how many times they say, I didn't know, or they told me, he told me it was back in high school, or he right. told me it was back in college. Right. I had no idea. Yeah. And so, and he swore it off, but here I find it again. So there's this relational wreckage, you know, this disturbance of trust. So to the listeners, for the listeners who are in this right now, Mm -hmm. they're saying, okay, maybe I didn't know about the biology. I didn't know how addictive it was when I'm telling him never again. It's not as easy as any addiction. Right. You know, it would, if, if only an addiction could be stopped by willing it away. Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, It's just not the way the body works. Right. But it for the listeners that are saying, I'm in this, this is me, this is in my marriage, right. I can't trust my husband, I've caught him, I've caught him, I've caught him. Right. Talk about this, because I think the listeners need to know, you know, yes, there's biology and there's a component, there's mental health, there's look right. for these signs. Right. But what do you do about it? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, as even as you stated it, that oftentimes, you know, these are men who have actually been exposed to it and uh, for a very, very long time. And there's also a lot of shame connected to it. And then, uh, so it's a, a very a hidden thing, right? You know when someone is drunk, right, or intoxicated in some fashion, but you don't necessarily know, you don't know when someone has just binged on porn, right? Right. Yeah, there aren't there aren't those signs that sort of out you, mm-hmm. so to speak, that go beyond the context. But I would have to say that so therefore, so many men and people are very committed to like we have to keep this quiet. Like I have to fix this myself or between us. And there are there are those rare people who yeah that works for, but that's pretty much nobody. <laughs> right, just like any addiction. <laughs> right, you know, like yeah. okay, I'll just stop. Right. Any any kind of thing that kind of has captured us that way. Mm-hmm. We don't just simply stop it without help, without outside help. And and second, I think it, it if doing it yourself doesn't address some of the key outcomes and consequences from porn and that is a sense of shame and self-loathing that very much can linger without other people who you recognize are also struggling with this and you're working together to overcome this. Mm-hmm. So one is you have to kind of uh, work past the isolation aspect of this and get other people involved. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would say that's a, that's a big, yeah, uh, first step even in the stopping of it, mm. right? You have to get people involved mm-hmm. in doing that. I know that when Brittany Gibson is on our our podcast, she often talks about the importance of connection and accountability right. in change. Yes, absolutely. It's essential. And I know I tell uh, women all the time, it, it's not in the, your best interest, in the, in the interest of your marriage, 
for right. you to be your husband's accountability partner right. regarding his porn use. Right. Oh, absolutely. It is not. It is not. <laughs> it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it is helpful to have an accountability partner, you know, like XXX, K9, and all of these other apps that will report, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to a website. That can be very, very helpful, but not helpful with your spouse, mm-hmm. right, because of the damage to the, to the sort of relationship. One thing I would say is, particularly with porn, this is, it's so different than actual, to your body. It is so different than a, an actual sexual relationship because there's all of those other parts of connecting and the person that just are not involved that it, that it has a much greater capacity for addiction mm-hmm. um, because it really keys in on that dopamine cycle mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is very different from an actual interaction with a person. What I heard you say is if this is happening and you and or your spouse are ready for change, mm-hmm. not to try to go it alone. Right, right. And to reach out for help. I want to touch on something that you've said. I don't know whether it was in a podcast or training, but it always um, stays with me. And that the addictive cycle how often um, we begin with um, someone, there's a trigger. Right. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. there's a, there's a trigger and then there's, there's a the setup behavior. and then there's a trigger. Yeah, yeah. And so you say, no, it really actually, it's not the trigger that starts the addictive Correct. cycle. It's the setup. And so some people right. focus on the addictive cycle, like removing the triggers, but right. can you just talk just for a minute, just because I want people to understand there is an addictive cycle. A lot of people start with, I think about it, I try to resist it, right? and then I fall, and right. then you know there's shame, and then there's isolation hiding, and then there's a desire to feel right. better, and so there's a cycle, but there's sort of this before that. Yeah, and, and so as I often describe it, you know, with people and trying to get kind of open that door is to say, you know, there are times, you take it out of the pornography internet, where you see someone attractive who's you know barely dressed and that you don't have really any problem not not looking and then there are times that are you you can hardly not look right you have to almost physically restrain yourself uh and the difference between those two things is what i describe as the setup that there is some emotional setup uh some uh negative emotion unpleasant emotion that you, that you uh don't like and you use that arousal to manage that emotion and deal with that emotion. And so oftentimes for men, once there's a setup and they feel that way, then you combine the presence of a trigger and then bam, you're going. So what are the things that would set someone up? Well, I'm going to, you know, focusing on say the emotions, it, you know, certainly loneliness, mm-hmm. you know, is one feeling like a failure, mm-hmm. anger, you know, anxiety, guilt, feeling ashamed, uh, it, but each person has each, you know has very specific ones for them, mm-hmm. and so it can be very different for some people rather than others. Right, and and because we're talking about men's mental health, and you're talking about the setup of emotions, we we know sadly right. that men aren't the ones typically sitting around talking about 
feeling lonely. No, right. And feeling like a failure sure. and feeling sad. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's not common to hear men sitting around talking about how they feel. Right. Um, I've heard you say before, we're an, an emotionally illiterate culture. <laughs> and so, but when we talk about mental health, it's not mm-hmm. just emotions. So when we talk about setups, you know, tired, hungry, yes. stressed. Those physiological, yeah, yeah. So if the body isn't being supported with adequate sleep and exercise Absolutely. and nutrition and hydration yep. and, and just the restorative practices, you know, um, right. the calming practices that are needed in our, in our life today, that we're already sort of a bundle of nerves. We are. And so we're kind of walking around set up. Yes. If we're not, if we're not getting sleep. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you add in something right. that would leave us feeling whatever the emotion is. Yeah. So it does mean like, so what things can help me with those setups? And some of those are like you've just described, well, sleeping, mm-hmm. getting good nutrition, exercise mm-hmm. really gives the body a greater capacity mm-hmm. to handle stress and increases the quality of sleep. So there's some things like that that are very helpful on addressing the setup function. Yeah. So that is you, uh, you're not going to have success without addressing the setup. Another way of saying it is you're not going to have success without taming the mind. Mm, That's good. Do you have any resources that you would like to, to share? I know that we'll put the link for the screener in our show notes. Are there any other resources? Yeah, I, I would say there's a book and I think it's really helpful because it helps you get like what's happening in your brain. Uh, And it's called Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. And then uh, another book called The Porn Trap by Wendy Malls. And uh, of course, a classic of Every Man's Battle by Stephen uh, Arterburn and Fred Stoker. And for the women who are listening, there's an every woman's battle. Yes. Uh, There's an every young man's battle. and There's an every young woman's battle now. Yes, good. One for the the younger ages as well as mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Those are good. Well, Mike, I know this is going to be hitting a lot of different places for listeners. What I would say to those listening, just where Mike started, know there's a biological component to this. Um, oftentimes, women will feel like I'm not enough. I've done something wrong. Right. Really taking on so the, a lot of the burden know that there's a biological uh, component to that. And if this has hit your marriage or relationship or home and you're ready to make change, um, not to go it alone. Mm. So know that there's biology, know that it impacts mental health, but also know you're not alone in this. There's no need to walk this alone. And we have several people here at Care to Change who are trained and and able to help in this area. So please reach out to us. um, If you are even struggling, if you're a man listening and understanding, well, I get now why I keep going back, I would say, you know, reach out because Mm -hmm. um, there is help available. And there are many men who have found themselves free from this. So reach out to us. Um, you can call our care line. You can call us. You can email us at help at care to change.org. Join us next week as we close out this series on men on how to help your man. Another discussion for men about men. So we hope that you've enjoyed this series and until we see you again. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the care to change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. 
We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.